and now the salary is saving with those additional six are now distributed to community programs that would be riding along with the police mm -hmm. to support with some of their crisis or 911 calls. Yeah. I think there is a model, I think there are models that exist such as the mobile crisis intervention team where they're looking at areas of specialty. Um, so, you know, again, with the mobile, mobile crisis intervention team, part of that is, as we just discussed, the understanding that there's certain mental health challenges and concerns that the police are equipped to deal with. I think when you look at certain types of de-escalation, such as de-escalation in young people, whether it be in the schools or community centers, um, it might be a youth worker who's got a better relationship that is more trained and more apt to deal with such an issue. Whereas introducing the police may escalate it because there's a concern and fear that one is being escalated to a point where a person may catch um, or end up with a criminal charge. Now, as you can tell, there are many reasons that contribute to this current issue. So it's essential that we understand how redistributing these funds will impact the community. Community support worker Alexis, who deals with youth who have been taken into custody, speaks on how this could potentially affect her line of work and the youth that she works with. I just don't, yeah, I don't agree with, with um, I just personally don't because of like my position and what I see. And to be honest with you, we're seeing more, um, yes, we see police, acting in a way that is not favorable mm -hmm. um, and some of it can just end up very fatal and yeah. I don't agree with that either mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they aren't doing good things it doesn't mean that there are people that should be in the community right mm -hmm. because they are still causing harm to their own communities right so to me it's kind of a double-edged sword yeah thing. yeah yeah <laughs> because it's Definitely. true like mm -hmm. police could benefit and this is probably touching on a whole different topic, mm -hmm. they, they could probably benefit from more um, training. Mm -hmm. But do I think they should be defunded? Absolutely not. I still feel like they provide a level of safety for me. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, yes, some of my clients have probably had poor interactions with police, but they're not dead because mm -hmm. of police. Mm -hmm. They are dead because of gang violence. Mm -hmm. And so, yes. A lot of factors contribute to crime in the community, and some of these factors relate to social economic issues. Lenore David, an instructor for community development work at Centennial College, speaks a bit about this. I think that communities where there's a lot of crime usually are struggling with other socioeconomic issues like um, poverty or uh, issues with housing, a lack of uh, social services, not great school systems. And the police don't solve those issues. So I don't think that increasing the police actually really helps reduce crime. Um, I think looking at the social determinants of health, uh, people's socioeconomic conditions, those are the things that, that would make a difference. Now we hear a lot about mental health crises and how that plays a great role in this issue. Many have questions about police training and the varying capabilities that 
this training brings in the de-escalation process. Steven speaks about how law enforcement officers respond to certain crises such as these. There is a large amount of mental health crises that they are trained for, um, but mental health is so fast and there's so many changes and there's complex mental health challenges and concurrent mental health disorders, which, you know, even some of that training is only done by or is only sought by like nurses and medical professionals, which is probably the primary reason why they have the mobile crisis intervention team to ensure that when some of those complex issues come up, there is a nurse on staff that can support to deal with it. There is no doubt that specific scenarios require specific action. Officer Cheryl Jones explains the different challenges in their field of work, specifically addressing the issue on how law-abiding officers respond to certain scenarios towards this situation. Um, every situation is different. Um, although I work in the police, um, I work in the police department. I don't, I don't deal with the um, law enforcement side. I, I work. I work in the jail, so it's a different circumstances. Um, it's a different. It's a different environment. Therefore, we see a lot of um, mental issues, and every situation we deal with is, is is different, and you have to respond to it differently. We also hear from Alexis, who speaks in regard to this issue and how these kinds of activities need the presence of law enforcement personnel. I think if we're going to defund the police, let's say that's the direction we are going to go into, I would say at least, I don't even know if I fully agree with the statement, but <laughs> but I would say at least allocate the funds to people that can still um, respond to those emergency interventions. Mm -hmm. So we would still need an emergency task force. We would still need people that can respond to mental health um, phone calls, um, well-being checks. Sometimes well-being checks are very gruesome. Like mm -hmm. if a police officer, if I want to check on someone and we're seeing it a lot, unfortunately due to the pandemic, people are murdering their families. Mm. Um, and there have been quite a significant amount of that happening throughout this year. Right. So why send, who do you send in those very, like that's something that's traumatic to experience. So who do you send in those right. traumatic experiences? It Lenora also speaks about the call for transparency as one major possible way of regaining that trust between law enforcement and the people in the community. I think that increasing trust would require um, more transparency from the police forces. And I just think about like the recent death of Regents Korczynski Paquette and other deaths that have, that have happened at the hands of police or other assaults that have happened. And I just think from a public perspective, there isn't a lot of transparency around what's happened and there doesn't seem like there's a lot of accountability either. So I think increasing 
the amount of transparency and accountability would help towards increasing trust. In closing, I think what a lot of people would like to see more of is initiatives based on relationship building between community members, community workers, and law enforcement. Presently, there are already initiatives that are taking place, and another good example of this is the integration of community people in certain types of police training. For this matter, Stephen talks a bit about how this kind of activity helps in regaining back that trust of community members. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a few community initiatives that the police are involved in. I think kind of if I was going, you know, you know, down and then up, um, I'd look at the Youth in Policing Initiative. The fact that, you know, although through COVID-19 it might have stopped, but it was the opportunity to introduce young people into the Toronto Police system, not necessarily as an officer or in any type of enforcement, but to understand and learn about programming. So I think that's one initiative. There's another initiative, I don't know the name, but ultimately what it does is it takes, I think it's the Citizens Academy. So what it does, it takes residents um, through the training process of a police officer and shows, takes them through different scenarios, different training, um, different opportunities, different cases that a police officer may go through. And then it gives the residents and the citizens an opportunity to talk about what they would do but it also shows the kind of methodology that would be used by Toronto police officers. Um, going up again or levelling up, you've got the um, community police, uh, the neighbourhood officer programme, which is officers that are dedicated to a neighbourhood. So through that, there's a relationship that's built between the officers and the community. And that way, based on the trust, you know, I now know something's going on. I should have that trust to be able to speak to the officer, for them then to, you know, mobilize the services and resources needed to address that incident. I think thank everyone for tuning in today there was a lot said today but we hope that you find this very informative and educational enough to go and develop your own views on the defunding the police movement this is also in hopes to get people like you to become more aware of all the factors affected by this movement so you can start thinking about what kind of change could be implemented here in the law enforcement system we want to thank all the community workers that sat with us and shared their different perspectives on this issue. We hope many others feel encouraged to have your own conversations with friends, families, and neighbors in hopes of bringing more light to this issue. We hope you enjoy your holidays. Stay safe. See you next time.